people. If you own a small business and you pay any company for anything, that's not a box store. You know, like if you're going to Walmart, Staples or whatever, that's a given. But if you're paying any private business owner, business to business uh, for services or product, you're going to ask for a W-9. That W-9 is the key to telling you whether or not you issue them a 1099. He's trying to get money in the 401k, but keeping his FICA down. And believe it or not, the IRS is onto this. Would it make sense to have my ownership interest be owned by an LLC, taxes and escort? In that situation, would the IRS want my reason? reasonable salary to at least be the guaranteed payments received from the partnership or can I have a lower salary and still meet the reasonable comp threshold. Welcome everyone to the Main Street Business Podcast with Mark Kohler and Matt Sorensen. Excited for today, the People's Show, open form, oh. where we're answering your tax and legal questions. Yes, this is the People's Show. I like that. Nice take. Uh, <laughs> if you're new to the show, someone's referred you here. Thank you for giving us a chance to wow you. We are both tax lawyers, small business owners, real estate investors. We have a law firm and a self-directed IRA company to help people self-direct their retirement accounts. We've written books. We've cut and done this podcast for years. We have millions of downloads. And I'm just trying to wow you, people. I want you to know you're in the right spot. We're a believer in small business, Main Street America. We hate Wall Street, generally. Not that we both don't have <laughs> products in S&P 500 you know, there, you got to have some there, you know, but uh, we're here for you. So thanks for being here yeah. for our open Q&A. Yeah. And if you're like, man, I want to get some questions answered, go to MainStreetBusinessPodcast.com. You can submit your questions there. And that's where our questions are coming from. Sometimes we're getting them from social media, but most of the questions we're going to be filling are coming right off the website. Um, so you can get over there to get your questions answered. Um, I strongly recommend putting them down the tax legal retirement field, you know, if you want a sports prediction or political question answered, wrong show, yeah, <laughs> wrong yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, we are not talking about the NFL wild card playoffs. Uh, we're not, we, we don't. Um, now there are categories at the podcast page, so you can choose the genre of your question, uh, but sports is not one of them. So <laughs> uh, let's get to it. And now for those that are regular listeners, you've learned to tolerate our humor and dry wit that we are being generous calling it dry wit. Some might just call it uh, distractions. Bad but, humor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we're, <laughs> we're trying to keep it real. And um, it, it's yeah. kind of fun. I got a fun story to tell this the, on, during this podcast today of you know, auto deduction. You know, I'm really trying to. Okay. It's a good auto deduction story. So. Um, okay. All right. Uh, I'm ready to lead off here with okay, some Roth okay. 401k, Roth IRA questions, small business owner trying to make contributions. Okay. All right. Well, you throw it down. I, now, this is in the uh, retirement. Uh, this one was in the in the small business category, actually. Okay. I'll type over Roth there. IRA. This is from Marky. says, hi, Mark and Matt. I'm 40 years old, married, filing joint. I have my S corporation that provides services to clients, and I'm the only employee in the S corp. Annual net profit is 65K. I took a salary of 22,000. Okay. And 43,000 was K1. I contributed 20,500 to my solo 401k Roth account for 2022, which he says mega. Well, I'm going to come back to this. Also matched 25% of that, 5,500, and profit shared 35,000 to max out the contribution for the year 2022. How to calculate my W-2 salary to account for my Roth 401k contributions. Okay, Marky, you're doing it wrong. 
Let me come back to this in a second here. <laughs> Boy, you're, you're you Mr. TLC today. Do you want to slap I mean, him while he's down? Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slowly try to, you know, tell you how to do this correctly. Um, but um, I'm glad you're asking the question. And this is perfect time because what's happening right now, everybody's trying to do their W-2s. And this stuff's got to be reported properly on the W-2 and on your 1120S for your S-Corp. So let me walk through this here. And Mark, you'll get to your Roth IRA question here secondly, because that's a good one too. All right. On the 401k, and this is for you solo 401k owners, this could apply to you even 401k at a day job sometimes. All right. You did 20500 as a Roth contribution as an employee, right? You had an annual salary of twenty two grand, so you can put in the $20,500. That was the 2022 uh, amount. And that's going right as just a Roth contribution on your W-2. And that's on the W-2. Even though you don't get a deduction for it, you still got to put the Roth contribution on the W-2. Now, the, the match you did of 25% of the salary, which was 5500 that's going to go on your 1120S. That's going to go on the company's tax return as an employee retirement plan contribution. You know, and that's a $5,500 deduction. Those are going to be traditional dollars. And moving forward in 2023 or forward, these could be Roth dollars, but we're waiting for the IRS to give guidelines on how you're going to do that. But for your 2022 contributions here, that 5,500 is traditional um, from the employer match. It's on the company tax return, the 1120S, because you've got an S-Corp. Now, the rest you threw in of 35000 you said referred to this as profit shared the 35000 to max out the contribution for the year 2022. And I think you're trying to do the mega backdoor Roth. That is wrong. That is not how you do it. Okay? You cannot make a profit sharing contribution for the rest of that. What you have to do is an after-tax employee contribution, which means – You've got to have a salary now of of at least this sixty five hundred. I mean, this sixty five hundred, sorry, sixty five thousand you made. You cannot throw in thirty five thousand more off a twenty two thousand dollars salary. Now, what you already threw in so far, fine. The employee contribution of you know and the match of fifty five hundred, I'm fine with that. But this additional thirty five thousand, that's employee contribution, which means it has to be salary. So you've got to bump up your salary. Another thirty-five grand here, um, which would put you at what is that fifty-seven thousand in order to get there. So I mean, it's possible. I, yeah, you got to bump up your salary, and this is an employee contribution, which is and, also on your W two. And let me add this. Thanks, Matt, for let me interject. Is that everybody? Here's what we know: Marky's trying to do. He's trying to get money in the four hundred one k, but keeping his FICA down. And believe it or not. The IRS is onto this. So there's a rule in IRS code section 415 that says your 401k contribution is the lesser of your 401k wages or the contribution after tax matching everything. So the IRS says, Hey, if you bump up your FICA, you can do it, whatever, you know, up to these incredible backdoor Roth, mega backdoor Roth strategies, but you can't cram down your salary. Um, we, all of our tax lawyers have a spreadsheet where we can back into the sweet spot, the sweet spot of where you want to be with your 401k. And because I'm an upstanding guy here and I try not to let my inside voice take over, I'm just going to leave the comment sweet spot hanging out there and not say any more because 
That would be inappropriate. Yeah. I'm also not touching it. <laughs> Don't read into that comment either. All right. <laughs> let me say. That's what she, let me make Okay, a, go ahead. All right. <laughs> yeah, let me make a comment about. You know, you know, you so, just, you, are you, you fell right, right into right that into one. Dang, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know. Boy. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> now, the, any other comments for Marky here? Marky. Marky, in other words, on this Roth 401k, you're trying to do this mega backdoor, max out. In other words, what Mark's saying there too is if you want to put the max 60,000, 65,000, whatever it is for the year 66 and 2023, you better have 60,000 on your W-2. They don't care about what's on your K-1. It's what's going to be on your W-2. So I know that sucks, and I know you're trying to keep your salary down, but if you want to get more in the retirement account to grow and come out tax-free, um, you're going to do this. Now, keep in mind, if you're doing the mega backdoor and you're doing this after-tax contribution to get past the 20500 of Roth, you've also got to do a Roth conversion. You need to issue a 1099-R. You need to put that on your tax return. All right? Now, this will be on 2023. Technically, it's kind of clunky, right? Because it's a 2022 contribution. We're actually doing a Roth conversion in 2022. And so it ends up as Roth because this is employee after tax. It's not Roth yet, but you're going to convert it to Roth. There's just no tax on it, but you do got to run through these hurdles. Okay. This is why it's a tax loophole. So if you're like, that sounds complicated, guys, I don't love that. I mean, that's the tax code, all right? We're giving you ways to max out and get a ton of money in as Roth, this mega backdoor Roth, but you do got to thread the, you know, th thread the yarn string through the holes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I did have, Marky had a good question on the Roth Oh my IRA, word. We, is this the Marky show? I think he's got a little too much love here. That's Can a good question. Oh it's my a good hell. Question. Okay. okay. And right. then you, you, you ready? This is the Marky show. Marky Mark. Um, <laughs> I could since I contributed six thousand to my Roth IRA for twenty twenty two. Do I report my Roth IRA contribution on my W two? No. Okay, IRA contributions for Roth IRA, traditional IRA, those are not on your W two. That's just going to be on your ten forty personal return. Don't stress about that. That was it. In and out fast on that one. Okay. <laughs> Don't go. <laughs> you know, you make you doing the show really hard. I I just. <laughs> I, First, you're complaining about me going too long, you know. <laughs> Stop talking. I, I, <laughs> in and out too long. I need a cigarette. You know, I just, I, I want to apologize to some of you out there that have kids in the car. Um, of course, this is going right over their head. Okay, Ethan says, my wife and I are 50-50 owners of our rental real estate LLC. We live in a non-community property state. Currently, we file a 1065 and receive K-1s. If we create a revocable living trust, which you should, in which my wife and I are grantors and beneficiaries, and we transfer ownership of the LLC to the trust, which you should, does this mean we can disregard the LLC and file our income from rentals on a Schedule E? Yes, I would prefer not to file a 1065 if possible, despite the lower audit risk. Now, for everybody out there, really one of the only reasons you would do a 1065 husband and wife is because your audit risk goes through the floor. I mean, if you're being really aggressive on write-offs, I love the 1065. But also, Ethan, you don't need a revocable living trust to do this. If Unless you have a prenup or a postnup, it's going to be marital property anyway. So if you want to pop the LLC into a single member between the two of you, 
and file a single member LLC, feel free. Now the trust is the creme lit creme. Just do the trust, make it the owner of the LLC and you're clean. Um, so that's the route I'd go there. Okay, Matt, your question. Notice how I answered that quickly and our other listeners appreciate that. I just want to throw that out so that we can cover as okay. much. I just like to take my time, you know? <laughs> um, all right, Luke. You want to cover as much ground as possible? I get I just, it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo. All Boy, right. this is, this is a hot and heavy show. This is good. <laughs> okay. All right. Luke um, says, I have an opportunity to buy. This is in the um, Q&A, LLC Taxes, S-Corp and Partnership. I have an opportunity to buy into a small percentage of my employer, which is a financial services partnership. Due to become a, becoming a partner, my current W-2 income will need to be shifted at two guaranteed payment and distributions. Since my initial ownership percentage will be relatively small, a vast majority of my compensation will come in the form of guaranteed payment for services. I figure guaranteed payments will end up being 90K and distributions of maybe 5K. Would it make sense to have my ownership interest be owned by an LLC, taxes, and S-corp? In that situation, would the IRS want my reasonable salary to at least be the guaranteed payments received from the partnership, or can I have a lower salary and still meet the reasonable comp threshold? All right, great question, Luke, and you're on the right track. I would do exactly what you're saying. Get an an S-corp, LLC taxes an S-corp, or just an S-corp to own your percent in this partnership LLC. Now, just because your K-1 is going to have guaranteed payments on it versus net income, doesn't mean you're stuck with that guaranteed payment as being your salary. I love that comment, Matt. Good call. Yes. So what I would do, Luke, is whatever the heck you want. Take a reasonable salary from the escort based on your income that you're making and your situation. Don't get hung up on what's the guaranteed payment on the K-1 versus the net profit. Okay, and I'm going to put this on the whiteboard for those that are watching on YouTube. And if you're catching this on a podcast uh, portal and that's your preference, that's wonderful. What I'm doing here for those watching on YouTube, and all of you can get over to YouTube uh, and just search Main Street Business Podcast and you'll see the playlist. Um, I'm going to go to the whiteboard here and just diagram something that will visually bring this together. I'm going to bring in Marky's comment, or no, Ethan's comment from the last question, where we have our trifecta with the trust at the bottom, which all of you that have business owners, married, single, old... You should, all of you should be using a revocable living trust. They're affordable and they can last your entire life with some minor amendments every five to 10 years. The trust owns the LLC on the right side. The LLC reports the uh, rental property, whether it's a 1065 or Schedule E, you get to choose. Um, on the left side, uh, I love this question by Luke. He's going to set up this LLC taxed as an escort or just go straight to an ink. Who cares? Just go ink. And if you're a professional, you're probably going to go a PC, a professional corp. If you work with one of our lawyers, they'll walk you through which entity fits you best. We charge the same price, whether it's an ink, a PC, or an LLC. So you're going to, but it's the, ultimately, it's definitely going to be taxed as an S corp. And that S corp is going to own the LLC, which is at the top. So at the top of the food chain is this partnership LLC with all these partners. And then you're going to have a percentage of ownership. And like Matt said, you're going to get a a guaranteed payment that should not be paid to you. It should be paid to the S-Corp checking account. That's something that you're probably wondering about the very specifics here, the the kind of the mechanics. Make sure the guaranteed payment goes to the S-Corp and then any draws 
or profit distributions from the partnership will go to the S-Corp as well. None of this money should go to you directly. Then the S-Corp gives you a draw. And then after the fact, which we've talked about many times before, all of you get over to our podcast on dedicated to S-Corps. We have several. You'll do a salary on paper after the fact. You don't have to actually take a paycheck and you get to designate your salary. And frankly, Ethan and all of you out there, I don't know what your salary is going to be. We have to look at your overall income by the end of the year and your distributions. And like Matt said, just because you're guaranteed payments 90 doesn't mean your your payroll needs to be 90. And if some accountant's telling you it has to be, you got the wrong accountant. This is an art form and they're scared of their own shadow is what's going on. So tell them to strap a, tell them to be, Okay, anyway, so now we got our salary, a W-2, and a draw. I'm not jumping in, in on these anymore. I'm yeah, I, I can't say anything on this podcast. All right. So you can, you're going to get a K-1 from the LLC to the S-Corp, and then a K-1 from the S-Corp to you. So that's what it looks like for those that wanted to watch on uh, YouTube. That was a pretty picture. I like it. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm a pretty mean Pictionary player. Just want to throw that out. I know. I know. Okay. All right. Um, okay, James, let's pull the whiteboard and who's, is it my question? My turn? Yeah, that was my question that you kind of, you know, volleyed back, but oh. I got another one if you're ready for me to go and you want to, uh, let me throw out, um, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. That sounds good. All right. This is from the 1099 miss for KKOS. This is from Logan says, Hey, Mark and Matt, I'm the dummy who recently asked about 1099s when Mark did the solo Q and a thanks so much for the MDS answer. It sparked a question follow-up though. You mentioned any business you pay 600 plus during the year must get a 1099. I assume you meant service-based businesses, but does that include something like your law firm? Um, he talks about an article he read that suggests attorneys and law firms are typically due a 1099. He says, I guess I'm struggling to see where the line is. I appreciate you guys taking the time to do these Q&As. Thanks. Okay. Yes, Logan. If you hired us to provide services for your business, we set up a new entity for you. We did some tax and business planning for you. We did your trademark, whatever. We just set up your solo K. You, could, can, you should 1099 us, okay? You're expensing that in your business. And you can call our office to get our W-9. Um, our EIN is also on our invoices if you need it. A lot of companies provide that. But you can get the W-9 from our office and 1099 us if you pay more than 600 bucks. Because that, assuming this was for business services, which is mostly what we're providing to our clients, that they're business owners, we're providing advice and tax legal services, which you're going to expense. In, 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 in other words, send us a 1099. Okay. And we're I would okay say this, that. just, you know, yeah. We're okay with that. <laughs> totally. And, and two thoughts. One is people, if you own a small business and you pay any company for anything, that's not a box store, you know, like if you're going to Walmart staples or whatever, that's a given. But if you're paying any private business owner, business to business uh, for services or product, you're going to ask for a W-9. That W-9 is the key to telling you whether or not you issue them a 1099. Because if they check the box, they're a corporation, C or S, you're out of the woods, generally. But law firms, ironically, are one of the few industries that are picked on. Maybe the IRS doesn't trust lawyers. I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the IRS says, I don't care if the lawyers check the box, they're a corporation. You're still supposed to 1099 them. We don't trust them. But anyway, 
So everybody out there, you need to be accountants asking. Accountants too, isn't it? I don't think it's accountants. I got a double. Oh, they I, just got us, the lawyers? Okay. Yeah, it's just the lawyers. Now, they trust accountants because <laughs> um, yeah. they, they, they want to file tax returns with the IRS. So they got to stay clean. But I would say, um, everybody, please get over to my article on 1099s. It's at markjkohler.com. It's one of my most recent blog posts. It's one of the most popular downloaded pod, uh, posts of mine throughout the year. And I break it down in more detail. Uh, deadlines, who gets a 1099, who doesn't, links to the W-9, everything you need. Uh, make sure you're on top of it. And people, you got about a week and a half. The penalties for not issuing W-9s are, I'm sorry, 1099s are ugly. And there are websites that will help you issue these 1099s quickly. Do not wait until January 30th. Get on it. Yeah. One thing I'll say too on the 1099s is let's say you're like traveling for business and you fly on American Airlines. All right. Like, oh, do I need to get a, I have a client. And then they go stay at, you know, a Hilton hotel. And you're like, man, do I, and I, those are all over 600 bucks. Am I like throwing a 1099 out everywhere I go? You know, no, those are going to be the big corporations that are, you do not have to issue a 1099 for. Don't stress about that. Again, I think Mark said the best way, the business to business stuff. Is, is the one where you're going to want to track those and get those W-9s. Yeah. Um, which brings me to the travel deduction. Um, this uh, Nice little segue there. Yeah, a little segue. A couple of weeks ago, I uh, took a travel write-off for staying in Radiator Springs. Uh, oh, for, for those Disneyland? Are, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I hid under a tree and they locked the doors uh, at Disneyland and I stayed the night. Uh, no, I um, was traveling with my significant other. Uh, we were on business and someone forgot to fill up at the most recent uh, gas station. That person will stay unnamed. And... Uh, <laughs> In the middle of the night, driving, <laughs> driving to Phoenix in the middle of the night. Let me just tell you, the drive from Vegas to Phoenix sucks. It is like two-lane road. Isn't it terrible, yeah, man? Rough, it's terrible. That's the worst spot. Yeah. Yeah. They figured out LA to Vegas, easy schmeasy. Vegas to Phoenix takes a Southwest flight, trust me. But anyway, so if you start to run out of gas or take a wrong turn, again, someone should be unnamed on taking a wrong turn on the 40. Um, you will end up uh, looking for gas on the infamous Route 66. So at one yeah. thirty in the morning on literally zero on the uh, odometer, we roll into the town. I'm not kidding that they modeled the movie Cars and Radio Springs of. It was fascinating. Roadkill Cafe, little had black and white cop car from 1930s there. It was like a little antique town. It was a literally historic Route 66. I'd never been there. And huh. all the gas stations are closed. I took out a white fence, turned in a corner, and, uh, you know, ended up staying the night in this little hotel and taking a travel deduction on Route 66. Okay. You know, valid, but traveling for business. So I got to write that off and had to stay a few weeks okay. and work, work off the fence I broke. And, and, but it turned out, turned out fine. So you can make a movie <laughs> about that theoretically, just saying that. What's the fence? Is that like, you know, you're flipping like Back to the Future or something? Or where are we, where was that? <laughs> that that's a, you don't know the movie reference there? Doc Holliday. Is that in car? Doc, Doc Holliday. But you okay. were close. I because was right. It, I was close with, you know, the actor, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Yeah. Doc Holliday. Yeah. Yeah, Cars was really, I thought, a, a play off of Doc Holliday. So, uh, Doc Hollywood. Doc Hollywood. Sorry. Hollywood. Okay. Doc Hollywood. 
Uh, Michael J. Fox. Okay, so let's get over to next question. This is from BRC Felix, longtime listener and client of KQS, married with three dependents, own a parent LLC, taxed as an S Corp, that owns two LLCs, all operational, have a solo K, more to come. So BRC, loving your structure. We could go to the whiteboard and everybody that would be left side. They have an S Corp that owns two LLCs. Easy schmeasy. He says, here's what we're dealing with now. We are acquiring a commercial property for one of our LLCs as expansion. We will be leasing part of the building to ourselves and out to others. Might have an on-site manager that we will be hiring or contract to a third party, maybe my parents. We do not want to lose the solo K, so this LLC can't be disregarded pass-through or worse to my S-Corp, right? Will it be a pro- number two? Will it be a problem with my primary solo K if this LLC investment elected to be an S corp? Let's say there's three, four. Okay, here's the big problem, BRC. Your questions are assuming that your LLC owned by your S corp is also going to own the rental building. Do not do this. This is what's called a self rental. I love the self rental strategy. Matt and I, one of our law offices, we own the cool. commercial building that our law office is in. It's actually a commercial condo in a, t- a big building. So when we pay rent, we pay it to a separate LLC that owns the building. Our S-Corp should not in any way, shape, or form through the parent LLC or anything own that building. So let's go to the whiteboard. Let me just whiteboard this. So what you would do is everybody- now Mark, remember, we have we have two buildings. That's, that's true. I, <laughs> <why two? laughs> Boy, Matt's out there bragging. Braggados, Matt. Just, okay, just, okay. Just throw that out there. Yeah, I'm just throw that out. Okay, we've done this twice. We've done this twice. This is very, very common. In my certified te- tax network training, if you want to get certified as a tax advisor, we do a weekly training. I've got 12 modules, 60, 80 videos, somewhere in between, constantly releasing new content. Last night. We, were, we talked about the self-rental strategy and how it looks on a tax return. So uh, that was what we worked on. So if you if you want to get take your tax strategies to your for yourself or for your practice, practice to the next level, please get over to markjcolder.com and look at my certification program. But this was our topic last night. So anyway, if we look at the trifecta, so if you're visualize this, for those of you that are on a podcast, we've got our trust down at the bottom. We've got a line going straight up the paper, right up the middle. On the left side, we have our operations. And let's imagine what BRC's world looks like. They've got an S-Corp right in the middle on the left, and it owns two LLCs at the top that feed downward into the S-Corp. And they've got operations up here. That's great. Do not put the rental on the left side. It is a passive entity. And so over on the right side, we will create a separate LLC just for holding the building. And this building is going to be leased to the subsidiary S-Corp LLC. So the LLC owned by the S-Corp will lease it from this other sister LLC. And what this does, BRC, it totally rips it out of any concern for payroll or S-Corp analysis. It is a separate line of business. So under the code, under it, it's not operational. You're going to, um, if you do on-site property management, that's fine. More than likely, they'd be part-time. Um, and I would try to 1099 that out anyway. But it is not going to threaten your solo 401k, which is in the middle. 
Um, and by the way, parents, Matt, aren't parents included in a solo 401k? Yes, they could be if they work in the business. Yeah. So heaven forbid this would get classified as an affiliated group. You would not violate ERISA by excluding your parents because your parents had the choice to play in the solo and they didn't. So you, you're, I, I think you've got lots of options there. But so everybody, the moral of the story is if you're going to, your number one best rental business is to own the building that you rent from yourself in your business. Don't pay someone else rent, pay yourself rent. That's number one. When clients go, yeah, I want to get in the rental business. I go, are you paying rent anywhere else? Yeah, I got a storage unit. Buy a storage mm -hmm. unit. Boom. Buy a building, buy an industrial building, buy a warehouse, buy a steel building, rent from yourself. This building that I'm in right now, sitting right here, shooting my YouTube video, is a metal building that I built just for my studio because I got sick of paying rent all across town at different locations. And I centralized all my storage and all my uh, studio work to this building. And I'm paying rent to myself. So do that, but put it over on the right side. Do not include it in your S-Corp model. Think that helps you out. BRC, get with one of our tax lawyers on the setup of the LLC and you can vet the details out. Anybody that needs an appointment, you can go to Shelby at kkoslawyers.com. Shelby is our new client service manager and she'll hook you up with one of our attorneys. Okay, let's go off the whiteboard. Thanks guys. Okay, Matt, you choose the next question. All right, love this question. It's coming up here from Ben Jammin. Ooh. Ben Jammin says, uh, just so you know, I listen to your podcast instead of music every morning at the gym. Oh, that much, Ben, you're awesome. <laughs> work says, it, um, work it four, oh, yeah. five, six, yeah. seven, eight, work it. <laughs> <laughs> that just ruined it. <laughs> we just lost him. <laughs> we just lost him. <laughs> All right. It says I own an S corp in Utah. And I love this part. I pull teeth in Utah, Texas, and Arizona. <laughs> Our <Wow>. clinical entities <laughs> in Arizona and Texas pay my Utah S-Corp as a 1099 contractor. But is there a way to categorize, categorize my earnings in Texas and Arizona and pay the respective state taxes in each to lower my overall taxable state income? Thank oh, you I, I cannot wait to yeah. answer this. I mean, I pulled this one, so I can answer it. Okay, you, you go I'll first. Second shot. Second I'll, I'll back clean up. I'll, yeah, I'll do yeah. clean up. Um, ben, there is a way but you got to leave the beehive state. You've got to leave the great state of Utah. So long as you live there, they are going to tax you at their flat tax rate of 4.85%. Let's basically just call it 5%. You make a hundred grand. I don't care if that's on Mars, in Texas, in Arizona, in Utah, Utah is going to tax you at 5%. Okay. Now you do allocate your income a little bit to Texas you're going to allocate income to Arizona and allocate income to Utah based on, you know, the, your share of where your income's coming from. But at the end of the day, it's not like you can say, well, let me just allocate all of it to Texas and I'll skip having to pay Utah. Nah. Since you're still a resident of Utah, sure, Texas is your percent state income tax. Sure, Arizona is only 2.5% now state income tax. But the difference, let's say Arizona, 2.5%, you make hundred grand. You allocate to Arizona, twenty five hundred bucks. You get a twenty five hundred dollar credit in Utah, but they still make you pay the difference. Another twenty five hundred up to five percent in Utah. So, 
No games unless you move out of Utah. Yeah. Now I'm going to stick him with Matt's example, and then I'll give a, a different answer entirely, which might be a different <laughs> perspective. But Matt's example, he said you had a hundred grand. He's going to allocate. You're going to pay two point five percent in Arizona, and then get a credit in Utah for five grand. It actually, would be different. Let's say that you're a third, third, third. You're a third in Utah, third in Arizona, third in Texas. So you're going to pay two point five percent on thirty three grand. And then go to Utah and go, well, I only pay 5% in Utah on the 33 granted to allocated to Utah. Utah goes, <laughs> you're a Utah resident. So we're going to tax you on the whole hundred. Now, if you allocated 33 grand to Arizona and pay 2.5% on that 33 grand, we'll give you a 2.5% credit on the 33 grand. And then you can, but you're still going to pay 5% on the whole hundy because you're a Utah yeah. resident. So yeah. just to clarify the math a little bit, Matt, for some of our accountants listening. Yeah. And I think another way to think of it is if there was a, a hundred thousand, let's just say a hundred thousand and you paid 2,500 bucks to Arizona. Yes. Utah is going to just charge you their 4.85%, but they'll give you a credit for that 2,500 yeah. you paid to another state. Yeah. Yeah. Another way of saying it. I love it. Um, nice, uh, safe, uh, save there. Yeah. You know, just cause. Thanks. I'm just trying yeah. to. Yeah. Matt's egos at, on the state, up. on the line here. Okay, now I'm going to go with a different approach on the answer, the question. The question was, everybody, if, I, if I'm correct, he said, can I all allocate my income in a unique way between these three states to save on Utah? Um, the answer is, no, you can't allocate it even if, you, you, there's a different way of saying this, that's saying you don't even have a choice in this. You're playing games saying, well, no, Arizona's 1099 to me. Guess what? Arizona, and I'm luckily we didn't say your whole name on this show, they are going to audit you. You need to be filing in Arizona. If you are working in Arizona and you are saying, well, it's a 1099, my S-Corp's in Utah, Arizona does not care. You are earning money in Arizona. So the, the, there's, here's the big shocker. What I'm saying is not going to cost you in tax. Because just like Matt said, Utah's going to give you a credit. But right now, you're exposed in Arizona. Your S-Corp should be registered in Arizona, and they should be paying your S-Corp. Your S-Corp should be registered in Texas. You've got liability exposure pulling teeth in those states. You've, your S-Corp better be registered in those two states. And you're owing taxes in Arizona. Texas doesn't care. There's no state tax. But still, you have liability exposure. So you're, you're doing business in three states. What are you doing? Yeah, I think he's all right. I assume that's the case, but. Well, you said he's getting the. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But yeah, there's no games to play. Like, it's kind of like you got to play the ball where it lies. Mm. Whatever time you're spending in Arizona or Texas is what income you allocate to those states. But for you, it's kind of a bummer because in the end of the day, you're in you're in Utah, so they're going to tax everything at the 4.85%. Sure, they'll give you a credit if you pay Arizona. Let me say the opposite, though. Let's take an opposite scenario. Let's say you lived in Texas, and you're working in, in Texas, Arizona, and Utah. Now, you might be playing some games, right? You might be like, oh, 99% of what I do is in Texas. Because if it's in Texas and you live in Texas, you know, you pay no income tax. But in your situation where you're in a state with income tax, albeit a reasonable one at Utah, 5%, um, there's no strategy around it because you live there. Yeah. Um, Texas or Arizona. <laughs> wow. 
I, there are so many questions. I want to apologize to everybody in advance that we just are not getting to going to be able to get to all of your questions today. Let me give a shot here. This is um, BMP Enterprises and Cleon re- replied on quote unquote our behalf. And I don't mind CPAs popping in on this chat board. This is great. But let's just make sure Cleon was correct too. So B- BMP says, I know you mentioned that in order to be a real estate professional with a W-2 job, you need to work more in your real estate business than your W-2. <laughs> that's still a, a that's still a leap because it's the second part of the test is not only the hours you spend, but what's your primary occupation. It's hard to show the IRS that you work 41 hours a week doing real estate when your day job is being a chiropractor. I just, you're, oh, and here we go. I am a paid firefighter. I work 24-hour shifts with three days off in between. We work an average of eight days a month with the amount of time off, da 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 36 hours a month off. I own 12 properties. I flip properties. I'm a real estate agent with 40 transactions last year. Okay, I'm liking the argument. I'm saying it's a tough uphill battle, but look at all this great feedback. I love it. I track my real estate time with Toggle. I worked in real estate 200 hours, 200 hours more than my fire department job this year. Will they reject my claim for real estate professional? Or is this something that is just logically because of my work schedule, any input would be welcome. By the way, my CPA says, let's go for it, which I love. Thanks, Jason, CT firefighter. Uh, Cleon says, your tax return won't get rejected per se. This issue is that if you were ever audited, you would need to prove that you met the hours requirement. And I would add to that, Cleon, the primary occupation requirement. The records in the app would probably be sufficient. However, the more substantiated documentation, the stronger your argument. Further, it's probably wise to make the property grouping election. It's made by attaching a statement to your return similar to the following, 469-9G3 or the AF6, blah, blah, blah. Okay, Cleon, I like your comment, but here's the reality, people. When you check the box, I'm a real estate professional and I want the losses, you have to make that grouping election or it's worthless. It's not going to work. So, uh, Cleon, my experience is, and I could be wrong and you could... I'm always open. I don't have a huge ego here, but everybody, when you say I'm a real estate professional, the you've got a two part test. Then you have to say I materially participate in the real estate, which is the second half. And then by checking the box, if you will, there's not a box you check per se, but you attach this election and that's the nail on the coffin. So when Cleon says it'd be wise to make the grouping election in our world, you're not you're not there until you make that grouping election. That's my take, Cleon. And you're not. It's not going to hurt. Maybe I'm. Maybe we're mincing here a little bit. But the point is, you got to make the election. And in our world, uh, over the years, the election is the final piece of the equation. So, um, and I'll say in summary, I kind of I I like your argument. Uh, the firefighters, you know, it'd be interesting, Matt. Think about all the firefighters and school teachers. Uh, that yeah. we have that become really prolific real estate investors. They use that time when they're not in the classroom or at the fire station wisely. And yeah. firefighters are notoriously hard workers. They're not sitting around yeah, just my grandfather. I like, he was, he was a firefighter. And he had a siding business. <laughs> Talk about really? the side hustle, a siding business. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. A little, little side siding hustle, side, side business. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so <laughs> trying to get some little play on words there. But, um, yeah, a lot of our, a lot of small business owners. I mean, I do have quite a bit of them. So, yeah. um, 
Okay. Great question. I, yeah. I love the question. And, um, I like all the detail too. Like you're ready. Like, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Boy, I'm going to, okay. You where, what category should we go one. next? You do, do. Why don't you jump I at return? Well, you got one. Go ahead. Yeah. I got one in retirement planning. Ah, that's where I wanted you. Next out 401k. I that's love it. Okay. I was going from Jason Brown. He says, high income W2 owner. I'm over the IRA income limits. Barely. I maxed out my employer 401k, the contribution limit. I also have several side gigs, single member LLC. So income goes much higher than the IRA will allow. I cannot do an HSA at work because the insurance is low deductible. What else can I do for retirement? Not able to do IRA due to income. Can't do more on 401k. <laughs> Not interested in a solo 401k. What's the next best step? Oh my gosh. Did you, tell, did you pay this guy to send this message? I know this is just like he just like teed it up for me and yeah cleared the fairway and oh man you know, I I don't know quiet, how you're gonna quiet please <sighs> signs are up <laughs> I I don't know how you're gonna go from the sweet spot to where you're going next but you go for it good luck yeah. all right Jason I know what you're feeling right now you're feeling like there's no way to get in the party for any more retirement contributions you're feeling locked out you didn't get an invite you know what go around the back door. The backdoor Roth IRA, Jason, that's what else you can do, okay? Your high income, you've maxed out your, your 401k at work, doesn't matter. You can still do the backdoor Roth IRA for six grand for 2022, goes up to 6,500 for 2023. So that's what I do first is do the backdoor Roth IRA. We have a separate podcast episode just on the backdoor Roth IRA. I've got some videos on it. Mark's got some videos on it. At Directed IRA, we do them if you wanna self-direct. Um, we have all the details on how the backdoor Roth IRA works. So, um, but that's like me, Jason. I max out my 401k every year. I'm high income and can't do a front door Roth IRA or traditional IRA contribution. Okay. But every year, doing a backdoor Roth. And that's okay, now I'm going to give an alter a, an, another alternative in this equation. Totally agree with Matt. But it was interesting what Jason said here. Not interested yet in a solo 401k. Why? Why? Okay, no, no, they're not that expensive to set up and the control you have is incredible. So look at the very beginning. Jason says, I max out my employer 401k, the contribution limit. I doubt they're matching up to his entire contribution limit. So let's say right yeah. now, this year, contribution limit is 22,500. Let's say they're only matching Jason up to five grand. So you put in your five grand, you match, you double the money. Great. You've got another $17,500 to put in. Do you really enjoy the choices your employer's giving you in the 401k plan? Is that rocking your boat? Are you just like freaking loving it? Well, no, it's just easy. I just tell them to put the max in and they just withhold it from my W-2. Dude, Stop the insanity. Go open a solo 401k with your side hustles. You can take money from your day job, inject it into your side hustles if needs be, and take that 17.5 and put it over in a solo 401k of which you control. You can set up a 401k LLC, invest in notes and real estate and gold and silver and crypto and a hundred of things. Or... Put it blindly into your employer's 401k where the fees are off the chart. Now, you still do the match because that 100% match is money in the bank. But match, get out, do your Roth IRA like Matt said, 
But before you go back and max it out at the employer, the solo 401k could be incredible. Yeah. Another take. I would, let me, another reason why on the solo K, even if you are maxing out the contribution at your employer 401k and doing 20,500, you can still do a solo K. All right. You still might have, I don't know how much the, the company's putting in, but you know, you can have a total of over 60 grand in a solo in a, in 401ks in total. So you may have another 30 grand you can do. Now we'd want to look at what are the profits and, and net income in your single member LLC from your side, uh, your several side gigs. But I would consider the solo K. If you're looking at a SEP IRA, you might as well just do a solo K because in the long haul, if you're trying to max out retirement contributions, the solo K is where it's going to be at. You might as well get the plan set up, get on the right plan that has the most, gives you the most bang for your buck on what you can do. Now, I know you say in your example, do you want to reduce tax in this example? So you might say, but I'm not getting a tax deduction on the backdoor Roth. Well, you know what you are getting? Tax-free growth and it comes out tax-free. That's saving tax too. Um, but also, you can do the solo K. So do backdoor Roth, consider the solo 401k if you have enough income. Now, maybe your net income after all these side gigs is five grand. Then, then the solo K is not worth it. I don't know. But if you're like, no, it's 50 grand. Okay, I love it. We're going to get a lot more money in the solo K, which could be traditional, by the way, which could give you tax deductions now. All right. Um, all right great question, Jason. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Um, all right, I'm going to jump over. This is an older question, but I'm, I'm kind of um, liking this. This is Jerome. And it, he said, any recommendations for a dirt cheap, high deductible health insurance plan? I can afford to max out my HSA every year. So I want to get a high deductible health insurance plan with low premiums. Cleon commented too and said, I'm interested too. Now, I'm sorry, Jerome and Cleon, that this is um, belated information. You've certainly probably already made a decision on your health insurance choice. But... This is such a great reminder for everybody. And I wish I would have caught this question uh, a couple months ago when you had it. But notice what's going on with Jerome. He ha is healthy. I mean, he, he wouldn't be looking for dirt cheap, high deductible insurance if he really doesn't use his insurance. So why not get a plan where if he has to come out of pocket, he's willing to because he can always tap into his HSA if he needs to. The HSA is a tax deduction on the front page of your return at any age, at any income level. Well, whoa, whoa, not any age, sorry. Up until age 65. At any income level, you just need a high deductible plan. Now, what I would tell most people is, based on your income, start with the state exchange or the federal exchange. Some states have their own uh, health insurance exchange portal. Uh, others just defer to the um, healthcare.gov. And third, just call up a health insurance broker in your area and tell them what you're looking for. I used a health insurance broker myself, and I was excited. I just got my card. I don't have my wallet right here with me, but I got my Blue Cross Blue Shield high deductible HSA policy and this for this year, and I just got the card in the mail, and I'm so excited. So now I can put money into my HSA. I've invested my HSA in a rental. Uh, I recently bought cows because uh, I'm a... Yellowstone fan. I sold those cows. I bought five who were pregnant who had five more. So my investment doubled. We can talk about the birds and the bees for those that need that. And then I sold the 10 cows with the five being pregnant with 
meaning five in the oven. So it was really a 15 cow cell. And I made money in my HSA in Kohler Dutton Livestock LLC. So, you know, Beth would have been proud, you know, because Beth knows the farm's got to make money. You know, if you're not making money, you're going to lose the farm. You're going to lose the ranch. So I came through, my HSA made money. I sold the cows because some people get too emotionally attached to their livestock. They won't sell because they love the view. They love the livestock. Not me. I was like, Beth, I'm on, I'm on camp Beth. We got to make money. So we sold. I love it. Did it all in my HSA. So, you know, I freaking love that. Um, okay. Is it my turn for a question? Cause I got another one from Ben Jammin and I just, I usually, I'd like to give, you know, more love to other people, but this is a good question. Okay. What category? Um, comes up quite a bit right now. He says, this is solo 401k, the unknown. Now what? Um, Ben Jammin says, Mark and Matt for president 2024. Just saying I'd vote for it. <laughs> now see, Ben knows how to get us to, yeah, he, you know, he knows what he's up to. <laughs> he says, Little foreplay never hurts, okay. you know, it never yeah. does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's working here. He's got a good question. He says, I have a solo 401k and had one since 2017. I have approximately 300k in it. Now I want to stop for a second. He just started this thing in 2017. He's got 300k in it. I, I that's only been five years, which you could totally get to that number by just maxing out your contributions and making some good investments. Not unrealistic. Um, and But a lot of people's you know, are like, oh, I'm at zero and I want to have hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay, get started. Yeah. Like Benjamin did in 2017. Great example. Now he says, he said, this year is the first year I own a business 100% with employees, which as I understand now disqualifies me from contributing to my solo K. I know I can create retirement options for my employees and myself with a safe harbor 401k. Okay. He's been listening to the show. <laughs> um, but what about my old solo 401k? What happens to that? Do I have to roll it over into something else? Can I manage, invest it myself? Just not contribute anymore. What are the limits now? Thanks for expertise. And he also says, by the way, I did your tax attorney review and trifecta planning. Didn't get around to this question in it, but worth the money for sure to anyone on the fence. Also oh. love that endorsement. Too. Wow. Love you, Ben. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now here's a great question in here. For any of you that have a solo okay, once you do have a qualifying employee, where you, which Ben which has we're gonna now, come. I'll come back to that now. one. Can I answer that part when we're ready? Yeah. Okay. Is that, that's the, that's well, the I won't do it right now, but we, once you have a qualifying employee, you keep going. I'll come back and tell everybody when that trigger occurs. Okay. okay, got it, got it, yep. Okay, so once you do have a qualifying employee, you can't do a solo K anymore because you've got to offer the same super generous 401k with 25% matching to your employees that you're doing for yourself. Um, no one does that. And so what happens is you have a couple options. One is we just freeze the plan. We do, you actually have to document this and you freeze the plan and say, hey, the plan isn't available to employees anymore, but you can still stay investing your funds in the solo K. Now, the IRS has not issued any guidance on how long you can have a frozen plan for. I like to tell clients a few years, don't sweat, don't worry about it. Past that, I'm not sure. I've looked for guidance multiple times on this and how long we can get away with a frozen plan. But- we do know what the IRS cares about, and I've seen clients audited. We had a client who did a solo K with some other provider, and they had 14 employees in a related business that they thought didn't matter, and they got audited. And you know what the IRS made them do? 
go back and contribute for all these 14 employees over years of their work and put in money into their retirement accounts. We actually put them into IRAs for them. Um, it's a complicated mess, but um, so don't mess around with this. You run a big risk on um, having to contribute for all these employees who qualified that you didn't offer the plan to. Okay. So go with the freeze route, buy yourself a few years, consider what you might do in terms of the safe harbor group 401k. I'm going to provide a couple alternative and one alternative point there too is shut down the 401k and just roll it out to an IRA. You could yeah. do that, you know, just, so if some of you are like, what happens to my solo itch it, you freeze it, keep investing it or roll it out to an IRA and, and just keep oh, rolling. Yeah. Yep. Now let me give you another alternative. Now, Ben Jamin said, this is the first year I own a business with a hundred percent I own 100% with employees. I don't have enough information to answer your question, Ben, because I want to know how long have you had that employee there? Are they full-time? Are they part-time? You might get another year out of this solo. The rule is once you have a full-time employee that has an anniversary date of being with you a full year, in that year they, they have their anniversary date, your solo's done. But let's say you just hired your full-time employee right now, and it's late January. You have until next January before they hit yeah. their one-year anniversary. So you could still do your solo this year. And who knows if they're going to be here all year. Maybe they move on. Maybe they, whatever. Also, there's a part-time rule now under the new Inflation Reduction Act, which I was so grateful for. I mean, inflation totally went down with that act. Biden was a genius. Yeah, this is the omnibus bill, but yeah. <laughs> okay, is that, um, sorry, I had to get in a little vent there. Um, yeah. I'm just so glad that bill was passed. I was so worried about inflation and it was just life-changing. Yeah, it's all got, you know, all got handled with that yeah, bill. Yeah, perfect so. bill. Um, is um, part-time employees. If you have a th part-time employee for at least three years, so they've, they're hitting their third year anniversary as a part-time. That's the equivalent to a full-time employee hitting their one-year anniversary. But if you say, yeah, I have employees, and I'll say, are they all part-time? Yeah. Well, you got three years, three years before yeah. you have to worry about this. Two now, years starting in 2024, by the way. So ooh. it's a two-year rule because that, in fact, you're right, Mark. It was the original Secure Act, which made it, well, I'm not Inflation Reduction Act, but it was first moved to a three-year rule. But now the omnibus bill, which went into law like, four weeks ago, um, changed the rule to be a two-year rule for part-timers, but that starts in 2024. I love it. And now here's the last thing. For you old-timer CPA accountants that love the SEP, <sighs> there's only two reasons I do the SEP. One, I screwed up and didn't do a 401k last year, and I still want to make a major contribution on top of my regular IRA or a bigger contribution, so I do my SEP. Or... You have that one-year anniversary of your employees. So let's say Ben Jammin goes, well, the employees started last January and they're hitting their one-year anniversary this year. So that I've had a full-time employee for a full year. I guess I can't do the solo. That's true. You either freeze it, roll it out to an IRA. But guess what? You can do the SEP because it's a two-year anniversary rule for the SEP. So the SEP allows you to put away a lot more than a regular IRA I'm not a fan, but it's better than nothing. So go do the SEP. And then once you hit the two-year anniversary with that same employee, 
You shut down the SEP, roll it to the same damn IRA you rolled your solo to. So you're so keep the momentum going, Ben. There's options here. And by the way, the group Safe Harbor 401k is not as bad as it sounds. The matching is so low. It's a great way to retain employees. You get to still put away your max. You can't do a ton in matching for yourself, but it is beautiful and it's not that bad. And we are rolling out a self-directed group 401k this year. The deadline is September 31st to set it up. We will be taking care of you. So if any of you want to do a Safe Harbor, you got employees and you want to self-direct it, or you got to close down that stupid Fidelity 401k and so you can self-directed we got your back so stay tuned All well right. matt our time is up that was a great time. Thanks, everybody, for all the awesome questions. Remember, get over to MainStreetBusinessPodcast.com where you can submit your questions. We do the open form every three weeks or so, so just throw it in there. We're always pulling back between the last show and the current time when we're doing the, the current open form, so get your questions in there. Uh, appreciate all those who got the questions in today. Hope you learned something. And if not, maybe Mark made you laugh. I don't know. But you're still listening you. right now, so so that's something, something. went well. Yeah. Maybe give us a five-star review or something like that for <laughs> it. Uh, I love it. Well, Matt, thank you so much uh, for your incredible, insightful comments. Thanks, everybody, everybody, for being here. And we'll see you next week.